Thanks. Uh, well, thank you all for coming. Um, my name is Carlos Moretta. I uh, graduated from Loma Linda University uh, School of Dentistry in 2001. Before then, I was a dental hygienist for about five years. Um, kind of ended up in that profession by accident. Well, by accident, I believe the Lord somehow steered me in that direction. Um, and then finished dental school in 2001. Um, was uh, very, very committed to uh, becoming a specialist of some sort. Uh, my heart was in oral surgery, uh, but I just didn't feel like I had the grades, and I felt like the Lord was really putting it on my heart to pursue that, uh, and I resisted because it would be four more years. It's like another presidency or something. And I said, I just don't have the energy, Lord, so I went with plan B, and I had had a pretty good experience with uh, children, so I applied to pediatric dentistry, much to the dismay of my mentor in oral surgery, and two months, I got accepted into a program. I, I, won't, I won't mention which program it is. Uh, just say it was in the, within the United States. <laughs> and um, two months into it, I quit. Uh, I realized I didn't like children. Uh, <laughs> and I came back to Loma Linda with my tail between my legs because it's the only state that I had a, um, a license in. So everyone's like, hey, I thought you were going to go do peds. And I was like, well, I don't like kids. Well, I, I loved kids in Loma Linda and my experience there, but it didn't work out. So um, I decided to just humbly start to work. And a um, couple, couple years later, the Department of Oral Surgery called me up, asked me, because they had not matched a resident with what I considered doing an internship. Um, in other words, I would, I would be another body, a warm body. They would pay me like 20000 for the entire year. And so I said, I'll try anything once. I did it. And I loved it, and I said, you know, I'm going to do this. And I applied and didn't get in the first time. And so I applied again, and I got in the second time. Got in the second time, by the grace of God. Um, so I finished uh, oral and maxillofacial surgery residency in 2009, by the grace of God, and closed that chapter of my life, never to look back at it. Um, it was miserable. Uh, but I am so, I, I told the Lord, Lord, if you give me this specialty, I will give it back to you. And um, I believe, I really do believe that, that, you know, God gives you things and, and he keeps up his end of the, of the bargain, but you have to do yours, you know. And, <clears throat> and that is, has to me been more fulfilling than, um, than a paycheck any day. So um, before we get started, uh, I am going to talk to you, first of all, about um, the unique challenges of sharing Christ in the dental office. And as much as I tried in this, in this presentation to make it a scientific, um, it, somehow I ended up, um, it, it ended up being anecdotal. I mean, there's just, it's hard to do. It's hard to do a scientific continuing dental education presentation on this topic. And yet, there are for, if this was a medical, if I was, if I was speaking to surgeons, or primary care doctors, oh, it'd be really easy to be CME. I'll, I'll flesh that out a little bit more during my presentation. But let's start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to uh, share here at Amen. I thank you for Amen, uh, where we can come and, and glean um, things, that, uh, ideas that we can use in our, in our lives, in our practices, to uh, work for you. And I ask that you would be with me now. 
uh, as I share and that you would be with the listeners um, through either Audioverse or that are here present, uh, that we would be able to take with us nuggets today that we could implement uh, in your service. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so bear with me too because I... I just discovered Inspector on Keynote, so I plugged in all these tra these transitions and things like that, trying to make it a Phil Mills presentation, because I think that he is the standard bearer for Keynote presentations at Amen conferences, and I'm always amazed at what he does. Just want to go over um, uh, the objectives here. So today, I, I just want, hopefully, us to see, I want us to see and understand some of the distinct challenges of sharing uh, their faith in the dental office, okay? The attendee of the seminar will understand the value of spiritual assessment and engagement when dealing with fears associated with dental treatment. And three, the attendee of the seminar will learn how to engage patients spiritually using creative and appealing techniques. Initially, I was like, this is gonna be no problem. But as I got into it, uh, as I was putting my thoughts together, I understand that there's some variables here that you'll never be able to control. No matter what, you don't know what's coming through the door, and you don't know what you're going to be going through that day. So it's not as easy as, you know, as I might present it today, but maybe hope, hopefully this presentation will, will help, help to start getting gears turning in, in your thinking process. So there's many obstacles to sharing. I mean, we could, every one of you could probably list something um, that, that makes sharing Jesus Christ through your faith or, or praying in your private practice, in your dental office, uh, that I won't mention here, but time constraints, personality types, right? It's not my office. What if you're an associate? There are challenges associated with that, right? The office is a place of business, right? I've heard that argument before. I'm not going to talk about spirituality. This is a place of business. I don't want to infringe on my patient's trust. It's not politically correct, right? unbelief, mine, and the patient's. But I want to focus on these last two, me and fear, okay? Me as, as an obstacle and fear as an obstacle. So let's be honest, right? The number one obstacle here is me. If we can be completely honest, I'm the biggest obstacle. So <clears throat> how many of us find it easy to witness? Raise your hand. I mean... It's not easy, especially in this country. Like, I, 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 was, I so resonate with Dr. Chang's presentation. It is so, it's so wonderful to minister in other countries because, in general, they're just so open and thankful, you know? Um, and so, but here in the U.S., you know, many of us struggle, uh, first of all, for instance, going door-to-door. -door. <laughs> My wife uh, and I at GYC, we go door-to-door -door all the time, but she's the one that knocks on the door and then pushes me forward. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, and then she says, I know speak. Uh, I, she's from Argentina. And then she, she claims the, the language card that she doesn't speak any English. So um, nobody enjoys getting the door slammed on them. And who has, who's a, it's so interesting because on my notes, I hear, here I have a note uh, about in gathering. Like, like, it's funny because I remember as a child, I used to go in gathering all the time. And then I would tell my mom and my dad, can I just save up enough money uh, during the year so that I can just pay and I don't have to go? I mean, can we call it even at that? So even, even then, you know, the door being slammed on your face, I still even remember my, my canvas or whatever you would call that. But um, 
for me, it doesn't come naturally, and I lose heart on my way home, uh, you know, when I'm thinking about uh, witnessing and work, my work. Um, as I'm driving home, I think about all those missed opportunities. Like, I saw it, identified it, I didn't do anything about it. And because I was in a rush, got to get to the next patient. I'm obstacle number one. So, is the gospel commission for me? Because you have to start in, in, in sorting out this idea about me as a, an ambassador of God or Jesus Christ. I have to sort this out. Do I have to say anything, right? I hear this all the time. People say, oh, you know, I serve the Lord through my actions. Well, that's good. That's good. But so does the Red Cross. And so does, you know, I mean, we're trying to distinguish here between uh, humanitarian work and medical missionary work, right? We're, we're serving with a mission, with a purpose, an ultimate goal. Is the gospel commission for me? Seeing yourself in the gospel commission of Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. So I have to face this question, is the gospel commission for me? I mean, wasn't Christ talking to his disciples? Am I a disciple? Do I have to share anything? Do I have to do anything? Jesus said in Matthew 10, 8, As ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He also said, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Right? He said, do these things. The question is, are we his disciples? Or is that just something that happened in the Bible? John 13, 5 and 5, 15 and 16. For I have given you an example, right? So as a servant, a servant, I'm a servant, we're all servants, is that correct? Is a servant greater than his master? Right? What did Jesus do when he was here? Is what we have to ask ourselves. Was he simply a humanitarian? Or was he healing the body to reach the soul? So I ask again, is a servant greater than his master? Am I a servant? John 15, 20 says, Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than, his ma- than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And this is what I want to highlight. And if they had listened to, to me, they would listen to you. It's interesting how Christ, having given us an example on how to witness and minister, and you know he was effective, right? Also gives us the promise of effectiveness in witnessing. But it starts with us. We have to open our mouths, right? So do I have to share? And yet our mission statement is all about this word down here, sharing, which I put in bold. Loma Linda University, a Seventh-day Adventist, my alma mater, which I love, and I'm proud to be an alumni of this, of this school, the Seventh-day Adventist Christian Health Sciences Institution seeks to further the healing and teaching ministry of Jesus Christ. This is taken from their webpage to make man whole by in a list of things that we, that we do. And then we seek to serve a worldwide community by promoting healthful living, caring for the sick, and do I have to share? Sharing the good news of a loving God. Sharing is part of it. Like You, you have to integrate that into your life somehow. Uh, you know, it didn't say sharing... Um, a composite filling, sharing an extraction, 
No, sharing the good news of a loving God through what I have just done, right? Do I have to share? This is our statement at Amen, our mission statement, to motivate and train and equip Seventh-day Adventist physicians and dentists to team with pastors and members uniting the church to restore Christ's ministry of healing to the world and hasten his return. How do, how do I do that? I have to use the skills that I have gotten and, and, and add to that the spiritual component, just as Jesus, Jesus Christ did. Give me just a second here. Um, you know, it's, it's worthy to notice that, that originally the Loma Linda University was called what? College of Medical Evangelists. <clears throat> it was established to create medical missionaries, right? That would take the medical training and dental training worldwide and to use it to introduce their patients to who? To Jesus. It was simple. That's how Christ did it. That was our original MO. I'd like to think it's still our MO, right? <clears throat> My wife is now doing a fellowship at Loma Linda University Medical Center in pulmonology critical care. It's a mouthful, right? And her life is now no longer abusive nights, staying up, call, um, as a resident. It now revolves around these presentations that she has to do every uh, two weeks. So two times a month, she has to do a presentation uh, to, to teach her attendings, co-fellows, residents, students. They all come. She's prepared something. She's incredibly nervous, and she's afraid that she's going to get chewed out. Presentations about all things lungs and ICU, right? To her attendings, again, all those guys. So why? Why does she have to, to share what she has learned? Why? <clears throat> That's how someone becomes a what? A specialist, right? To the question, do I have to share, the answer is no. No, you don't. If you're content with your mediocre Christian walk, if you're not interested in going deeper with your walk with Christ, you don't have to share. But the second you start sharing, you got to be ready because that's when you're going to go deeper. That's when you're going to prepare yourself to meet patients' questions and queries in a loving way, not annoying, in a loving way. Today's second obstacle is fear. But come on, fear of what? I love, I love this staged picture. It's ridiculous. I love, I love the underhanded uh, um, handpiece grip there. That, that's not even realistic. But fear of what? You know, your patients are walking in. Um, your patients are walking into your office, and they got a slew of fears, right? And I love this. If this isn't the definition of irony, you know, you got a guy that's just tatted up from stem to stern, and the first thing he tells you is, I don't like needles, I don't like shots. And it just doesn't make any sense to me, right? And they start, you know, that ha I see that play itself out weekly. Fear of what? The dentist. Embarrassment of dental neglect. Getting lectured. Loss of control. Sight, sound, smells, pain. The drill. Needle phobia and fainting. Crying or making a fool of yourself. Fear of panic. Gagging. Choking. And if that isn't enough, you're in my space. I, 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 I feel numb and I don't like it. Can't get numb. Bad reaction anesthesia, extensive treatment, unnecessary cost, being awake, being asleep, waking up, brushing teeth, claustrophobia, abuse. You know, these are just a few. Sexual abuse, 
All these things are patients, things that patients walk in with. And you have to deal with that. So now there's probably stuff that I haven't even listed here that you guys are thinking about. And we have to deal with those. <clears throat> Through my dental training, my couple years of general dental work, and then residency, I had the opportunity to experience both camps, right? So fear in the dental context and fear in the medical context. And there's a difference. There's a difference. I explain it to my wife. Eh, she doesn't really validate it. But if she is not in a dental office, she wouldn't understand. She couldn't understand that. There's a difference between the two. Fear at the doctor. And so, just for giggles, right, I did a PubMed literature re review or search on faith, prayer, the doctor, hospital, visit, right? My keywords were prayer, faith, doctor, religion, hospital, fear, illness, patient, office. Boy, there was more than enough. PubMed, which is considered peer-reviewed journals, this kind of, of, of research that is legit, quote-unquote, right? Legitimate. I highlighted here in red um, some, some of the things I want us to take with us. This study, this is a, an article, Patient Attitudes Regarding Fa uh, Physician Inquiries into Spiritual and Religious Issues, the Journal of Family Practice. This study supports the use of a frequent of frequency of religious service attendance as a screening variable for patients receptive to patient-directed in, in, inquiry into religious and spiritual issues. It also confirms that patients are accepting of physicians referring patients to pastoral prof, uh, professionals, i.e. clergy, for spiritual problems. This article here talks about um, uh, titled Beliefs and Attitudes of Hospital Inpatients About Faith, Healing, and Prayer, where they found that many patients expressed positive attitudes towards physician involvement and spiritual issues. Um, in other words, positive. Another one. Authors believe this, uh, an article titled Prayer in Office Practice. Authors believe that physicians can play a crucial role in validating the faith of their patients in a time of crisis and can harness the positive effects that, prayer, that faith and prayer have on physical and mental health. Uh, another one here from JAMA. The author calls physicians to recognize the importance uh, that religion plays in the lives of patients. This is JAMA, the Journal of, a Medical, uh, of American Medical Association. Uh, another article here, uh, Physicians' Perspectives on the Role of Religion in the Physician-Older Patient uh, Relationship Journal of Family Practice. The authors found that the beliefs and attitudes of the physician appear to be, more, uh, to be important factors in determining the receptivity to discussion of religious issues. In other words, and again, I could do this all afternoon. And this is, this is a Google search. This is no longer PubMed. This is Google. So all of these, positive, 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 positive. And again, a lot of these are from the, the uh, Christian Medical and Dental Society journal on this Google search. And a British journal? British? I mean, when, when are the British taking the, the spearheading, you know, this uh, emotional quotient uh, 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 arena of medicine? When, are they spear, you know, when did they start doing that, you know? You know, he finds that ignoring the spiritual element to a, is to a practice merely as a technician. In other words, he finds, say it again, he finds that ignoring the spiritual element is to practice merely as a technician. That's from the British Journal of Hospital Medicine. That blows my mind. The Brits, I love them. So, fear at the dentist. I did the same thing. A PubMed search, right? Keywords. 
Prayer, faith, dentistry, religion, dental office, fear, dentist, patient. What did I find? Researching male circumcision for HIV prevention in Papua New Guinea, a process that incorporates science, faith, and culture. Number one hit. I mean, this went on, you know, I, I found nothing, nothing in the way, you know, it, it threw me back into medicine, toothache pain, behavioral impact, and self-care strategies, self-care strategies. Fear at the dentist. Again, the Brits coming through the, from the British Dental Journal. Faith sensitivity. An article called Faith Sensitivity by the Brits. Let's hear it for the Brits, right? Nothing from us. Right? Involvement of Iowa dentists in hospice care. In other words, in places where faith would seem logical to be implemented. There seems to be an association either with, with grafts, because religion comes into play when you get grafting, or end-of-life issues. So, there's virtually nothing in the validity of prayer, of faith, in the management of dental or dentist-associated fear, patient fear, in PubMed. And I did the same search on Google with the same keywords. And what I found was dental office websites where prayer is had, which were a few, religious magazines such as Guideposts, where the articles on prayer and, and, um, and fear in dentistry, Blogs, religious and non-religious, on fear and anxiety at the dentist. Uh, newspaper article on how to cope with dental anxiety. <clears throat> so, Google search results on fear and faith uh, and prayer at the dentist is anecdotal at best. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I should tell you that uh, having worked both in the dental office, in the dental setting, as a dental hygienist, as a dentist... And then as an oral surgeon, dealing, uh, spending most of my time in the hospital, I have never been denied the request for prayer in a hospital setting. I mean, I, I would get called for facial trauma all the time, and I'd say, son, I'm about to cut on your face and stitch you up. Mind if I pray? What do you think he's going to say? <laughs> and begin. So I never got rejected. And again, I, I think the only time that I prayed and I freaked out about it was when a patient who was intubated, large scalp laceration, and I told her she was in an ICU bed. I went in there. It was just her and me. And she was intubated, but she was very lightly intubated. And I was almost getting coherent responses to my yes and no questions. I said, I'm going to pray with you. And she was a little bit agitated. I prayed with her. And she just calmed down, and I worked. And while I worked, it was a huge laceration. So I was there for probably three hours. I would talk to her and witness to her, and I didn't know if she was getting any of it. And, um, and then she went into a seizure when I started praying a second time before I left. And I said, okay, I'll stop, I'll stop, just stop. You know, I thought she was reacting negatively to, to my prayer, but she was just seizing. And so when I rounded on her uh, after she was extubated and all that, I thought she was going to bring that up because I was clearly, you know, I was, I said who I am and I explained. And we talked for about three hours. I talked for about three hours. And so when I came around on her the first time, I thought she was going to say something, but she was like, who are you? And so she didn't know who I was. And I was like, wow, I guess I worried about that one a little too much. But the pharmacology won on, in that case. But <clears throat> patient responses to offering a prayer in a dental office, yeah, I've gotten some weird ones there, you know. 
Um, usually, I, I try and throw my feelers out there to see if they're, hey, did what'd you do this weekend? Did you go to church? Did you what'd you do? You know. Um, but sometimes I've gotten the, hey, um, do you mind if I pray before we get started? And they'd be like, really? Do you think we need it? Like, do, do you know what you're doing? You know, I've got, I've gotten that. Like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah I know what, what I'm doing. I just, you know, I was wondering if you just, uh, anyway. So I've gotten some really interesting ones through the years when, I, when I've thrown that out there. Um, but yeah, I've never gotten a no um, or a frank rejection. Because let me tell you, when you're facing death or something really traumatic in a hospital setting, uh, even the atheist will say, yeah, let's pray. You know, I don't know who you're praying to, but I need it. You know, and, and they're, very, they're very open to it. So <clears throat> there is a, a distinction there. Um, 99% of the time, I want to say this, 99% of the time, there are no end-of-life issues or palliative care or advanced directive conversations in a dental office. Because all patients expect to walk out alive, right? So what I'm left to believe, and this is my conclusion, I haven't published this, but that the patient or practitioner's perceived need for prayer or the need to tap into spirituality in order to manage fear and anxiety regarding patient condition or treatment may be proportional to the perceived risk associated with the condition or the treatment to be rendered death being the ultimate risk. And who really believes death is a reasonable risk associated with dentistry? We know it could happen, but you don't go over that when you're consenting your patient for, for a filling. You don't say, oh, you could have an allergic reaction to this injection that I give you, which might mean that you go into anaphylaxis and you could die. You usually don't go into that because it's so rare, it's a zebra, and it, that's just a negative way to run an office. You'd lose patients left and right. You'd spend all your time talking about the zebras and you'd go bankrupt. A good reminder here is, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. So these are some questions that... Um, that we can ask ourselves, how can I use my career or business to help fulfill the gospel commission? If I now have identified myself as a follower, a disciple of Christ, um, how can I use that? Can prayer or spirituality help to palliate patient fears? Can I see a fearful or anxious patient as an opportunity as opposed to a threat? Because you all know how that is. I've had a patient, you know, patients come in and say, listen, no offense, doc, I hate you. I hate, no, I hate what you do. And I hate what you're about to do to me. I'm only here because my mom, or my mom, my wife said my insurance is running out and I need to come in and get this tooth out. But I, if, you're, if you're not careful, I'm going to end up hating you too. And so this is how we're starting our conversation. Um, and what do you do with that? Like, yeah, let's have a word of prayer. That's not going to work, you know? So, um, so it, it is, you're, you're walking on eggshells after a patient comes in like that. And, and you, have to, you have to learn how to, how to treat those patients. <clears throat> Can dental fear and anxiety be an entering wedge for the gospel? What does prayer have the potential to do? What is the biggest thing that prayer has the potential to do um, when, when dealing with a, facial, uh, a fearful patient? Establish what? Rapport. 
right? You make an immediate connection if they're a spiritual person or if they're not a spiritual person. Sometimes they're like, yeah, you know what? This guy cares about me, you know, or this lady cares about me. Maybe I can give this thing a, you know, a try. As Christians, as Christian dentists, what is our ultimate goal? A good life, a paycheck, high-quality dentistry, a good reputation, or do we really feel a burden for souls to know Christ, and can our practices be instrumental in that process? So prayer helps. This was last weekend at, um, at Amen Free Clinics here, and we really put an emphasis on, on keeping your spiritual antennas up and praying with patients. I mean, we really pounded it on these students. This is a student, this is a GP uh, in Riverside, uh, or from Riverside, and we really pounded it. And it was so foreign to some of these students for you to say, hey, I would just say outrightly, you pray with that patient. You pray with that patient. Here's a track. Give it to that patient. As soon as you're done, whatever you're going to do to them, give them that. And they would just, because they're not all, it's just, Seventh-day Adventists are not, Christian or not. There were students from all gamuts of faith, uh, or, or lack thereof, and it was just so foreign to them to do something like this. And yet, this is, this is the reaction I saw every time I saw someone praying with a patient. Let's do it. They were willing. A little talk, a little something about uh, the power of influence. Your power to influence for good for bad or for nothing at all is perceived much more by patience than by yourself. And to whom the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected in Luke 12, 48. The power of the influence you have on your patience in areas of faith, listen to this, is directly proportional to your recognition of God's love and influence in your own life. You see the connection there? If you feel no burden... You've got to ask yourself a question. You can't share what you yourself don't possess, right? This is what Ellen White says. Those two were quotes that I made up, by the way. I thought they were pretty good. Um, <laughs> you might disagree. I, I, you notice I didn't say they were inspired or anything like that. But this is what Ellen White says in Ministry of Healing, The Power of Influence. It is, you, it is our own character and experience that determine our influence upon others. In order to convince others of the power of Christ's grace, we must know its power in our own hearts and lives. The gospel we present for the saving of souls must be the gospel by which our own souls are saved. Only through a living faith in Christ as a personal savior is it possible to make our influence felt in a skeptical world. If we would draw sinners out of the swift running current our own feet must be firmly set upon the rock, Christ Jesus. Amen. Ministry of Healing 469.3. This is the last quote I'm going to share with you. I thought it was fantastic. The badge of Christianity is not an outward sign, not the wearing of a cross or a crown, but it is that which reveals the union of man with God. By the power of his grace manifested in the transformation of character, the world is to be convinced that God sent his son as its redeemer. No other influence that can surround the human soul has, has such power as the influence of an unselfish life. The strongest argument in favor of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. Ministry of Healing, 470.1. So where do I start? When you start a brand new dental office from scratch, what is the most important factor to consider? 
Come on, you guys know this. This is not a trick question, right? You talk to the guy who's the, the realtor, you know, you talk to the realtor and you're looking for, well, what's the location, 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 right? That's the most important thing. Now, where to start? When dealing with patients that come in with dental fear, anxiety, and anxiety, what's the most important factor to consider? The most. Rapport, rapport, rapport. All of these fears can be addressed if you take the time to establish rapport. And that, that you know, that... That bodes really well with the general dentist. It's a little tricky for me as a specialist because I can't, I only see a patient, I'd be lucky to see him a little, you know, if they come back to get another tooth out or, you know, follow up because they have a complication. But if you have the time, you, you, you see families through their entire, you see children through their entire upbringing until they're out the door. I mean, if that's not a chance to, to, to exercise the rapport, um, I don't know what is. You know, it's a perfect opportunity. And like I said, rapport is everything. These are all legitimate fears. You know, of course they are. As a dentist, I need to see a patient fear as an opportunity. For if I win the patient over to, to my profession, I've created a wedge into his soul. But how do I do this? Again, rapport. What can I do about fear? I'm, I'm closing here. Don't fall asleep. I'm about to give it to you. This is the take-home message, the one-two punch, all right? <clears throat> you know that we have to undo negative portrayal of dentistry in the media. I mean, thanks to YouTube, you can see what your extraction is going to look like before it's done. You can see the implant before it's placed. You can see a filling, and none of it is, looks pleasant or appealing, none of it. Undoing negative experiences from previous dental care. Unfortunately, we've done more damage um, to, to, uh, to ourselves as professionals. Um, there's a lot of bad dentistry out there. We've got to remember that we're not just performing dentistry. We're reaching people for Christ, right? And we're using our, our, our skill set to do that. But there's a lot of bad dentistry. I, mean, I, I see patients that... Our brothers and sisters across the border here that, you know, that are just, someone lied to them and put a, you know, a 10-unit bridge on three teeth and, and you know, took five, six thousand, ten thousand dollars away from them. I mean, just crazy stuff. And, of course, we have to undo negative experience that weren't even the patients. They were sucking in, like hearing stories about my friend. Oh, let me tell you what happened to my friend. And I got to deal with that, too. It didn't even happen to you. All right, so setting the tone and being intentional. This is the take-home, almost the take-home. There's things that you can do. Remember, it's not your, just your patients, right? It's your staff, too. Arrive to work early. These are things that I have found over the years that set the tone and, and give the office that, that spiritual aroma. It's easy to bring up things. Arrive to work early. Why? So you can open and study the Bible and leave it open on your desk. I have a friend who does that all the time. And he says, I have spiritual conversations with all my staff. Not because I bring it up, but because they see my Bible there open. Music. I don't know if you're in control of that. I, the first Bible study I gave in my life was because I was cleaning a lady's teeth 
and I was humming to whatever garbage was being played overhead from, from the 80s because my mind, unfortunately, music is indelibly etched in my mind. I wish I could get rid of it, but I can't. And I was just humming whatever they were playing. And she looked at me, and for some reason, because I was humming, she says, are you a believer? And that ended up into a one-year Bible study with her, her husband, her daughter, her daughter's husband, her son, her son's wife. Music, powerful. If you, if you have the power to control it in your office, great. A glow track rack. If, if it's your office, just put it up there. Put, put it in the corner right there. Let people just sit in there waiting for you. You know, they got nothing to do. Prayer boxes, the most mind-boggling concept that I learned at Amen. And I, if I had my own office and I don't, that would happen. You take a little box, a little shoe box, cut a hole in it, get a little index card and, and, and write on it. We understand that this is a place of business, but we want you to know that the doctor that takes care of you is a praying man or woman. And we want, we want you to write down any request for prayer. Just write it right here on this piece of paper. Put it in the box. Man, this guy has an amazing testimony, and he's not even a dentist. He was like an interventional radiologist. And he just has this box in his, in his waiting room. He, has, he says, additionally, at the end of his little sign, additionally, we have a Bible study here in the same office on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. You're invited to come. He has baptisms to show from that little box. I mean, and he doesn't, he says, I never bring up spirituality in my office. Never. That box has done it all. Or Jesus, God has used that box to do it all. And you know that's happening when I get my own office. That's happening. The prayer box. Spiritual decor. I love the Nathan Green painting where he's assisting the dentist. I don't have it because I don't have my office. But <clears throat> books in the waiting room. Have a spiritual assessment question. Be, be, be intentional about this. A spiritual assessment question on the medical history form. Purposeful rapport. You know, get to know these people. Write down on their chart. Again, everything is electric. But uh, if you have a little, a little drop box, I can say, you know, little tidbits about the patient in your conversations, you can bring those back up when the patient comes back. Hey, you said the last time I saw you, your kid was going off to college. How's he doing? How's he settling in? And patients love that. Spiritual theme holiday greeting cards for your patients. Don't just get the happy, you know, or merry, whatever. You know, make sure that, they're, that they have very purposeful um, spiritual uh, concept there on, on your card. And, be pre and prepare yourself for a Bible study. I still say that box, if you put down there, please join us for a Bible study on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whenever. People are going to come and be prepared, all right? You don't have to have all the answers, but be prepared. God answers this prayer, you know. Lord, prepare me for a Bible study. Give me a Bible study from my office. It'll happen. Pray for a divine appointment. That's, that's what I mean. You pray for it, God will give it to you. Life and Health uh, Network, and that's my shameless plug for that ministry, <laughs> in the, uh, you know, on the TV in the waiting room. You know, something, something uh, purposeful in the waiting room that the patients can watch while they're not just CNN or Fox News or something like that, but something that, oh, look, that looks delicious. I'm going to try that at home. Something that they can actually take with, with them. <clears throat> so you see, my thesis is simple. God can't allay fear. All kinds, but he works through you. And the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, what does he say? Thou shalt keep his mind in perfect what? Peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. I've tested that verse. I've tested that verse in my own life. It says because he trusteth in thee. 
How can your patients know this if they don't know him? How could they know this verse if they don't know him? My fear is, uh, is one of my biggest challenges to sharing Christ in the dental office. You hear that? My own fear is, is, is my biggest challenge to sharing Christ in the dental office. But if I can just push past that with God's help, the patient's fear is also one of the biggest wedges that allows me to share Christ in the dental office. But what if I'm an associate? What if I don't like to witness? What if I don't like to pray with patients? What if I'm forbidden to pray with patients? What if I don't have time? But what if you just tried? You don't have to go to them, right? How wonderful is that? They come to you. They come to your door looking for you. They just came, they come to you like they came to Christ, right? And what did he do? In summary, God gifted you with this wonderful career, every single one of us. The Bible would call your career or your practice a talent, right? <clears throat> he may have even given you a practice. and People come to see you for help every day. Wouldn't it be wise to use this talent to multiply not just bright, beautiful smiles, but bright, beautiful souls? What if you started seeing your patients, your practice as a tool, not just to make a living, but one you can use to reach your patients for Christ? I'm not suggesting that you be annoying about this, okay? Because there are, I've known, I've known dentists who have literally run their practice into the ground because they, they have a patient, as soon as they sit in the chair, before he says anything, he's got, you know, books and, you know, and health supplements and stuff like that in the patient's face, you know, and he's selling all this stuff until no patients come there anymore. He had to shut down. I know that. I'm not making that up. I know someone who did that. So what if you started seeing your practice as a tool, as an opportunity to reach others for Christ? And I'm not suggesting uh, that you be annoying uh, about it. And now this is a rebuke to me because I know there's going to be a day when the master will come and say to me, Carlos, I knew you hated going door to door. You also say, I, I, I knew that an effective spiritual conversation is difficult to start on any street. So I sent them to your practice. I sent them to your practice with a need that you can satisfy, that you could meet, so you can create so you can create opportunities for me to become a friend of your patient so that I could bring salvation to your patient. I sent them to you. This is a tool that God's given us. You know, what are we going to do with it? Do we keep doing things as usual? I'm just saying, don't fill your office with accents. Pick one and see what God does with it. Don't flood it. Don't go from here, from this, from this trench over here, this ditch, into that ditch. Just find one little thing that you're not doing. If you're doing things already, great. If you have Bible studies going, great. You know, that's awesome. I, probably this message isn't for you. 
My message is to those of us who need encouragement to start with one thing. Just one. And for me, like, if it was me and you asked me, what should I do? Get the box. I think it's such a great idea. I, I've forgotten who the presenter was who presented that, but I, I, just, think it's, I just think it's genius. Um, consider that prayerfully. Uh, I think that, uh, that it certainly makes winning souls for Christ easy that you have this career in your pocket that God gave you, you know? Let's not, you don't have to go halfway around the world to do it. Start in your own practice. Start small and watch the Lord lead. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God, um, I come to you now thanking you because somehow you got me through this presentation. We knew there were some serious obstacles, um, but I, I praise your name not just for my presentation, but for Dr. Kim and then Dr. Chang's presentations and all the presentations that we are, are doing here at Amen. Lord, we, we come here because we need to learn, we want to learn how to reach souls from you and for you, and we want to know how we can use our careers to do so. And I just, I just thank you again for what you've done in my life in terms of uh, a career, and I just pray that not just for me, but for everyone here, that you would give us divine appointments, that you would show us, Lord, how to become medical evangelists in our practices. Lord, that when you come, you might say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I, I just thank you for the opportunity to represent you and for each ambassador here of the King. I pray that uh, you would continue blessing our meetings in this weekend, and thank you again for all that you've done for us. These things I pray in your son's name. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.